Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I wanted to express to you such a great privilege and blessing it is for myself and Elder David Wise to be able to weekly bring you these messages over the airwaves. To all the good listeners in West Alabama and Northeast Mississippi, we love you and appreciate you. And if you're a return listener, we thank you. And if this is your first time tuning in with us today, we hope and pray that you will make it a happy habit and that it will be edifying unto you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We invite you to come worship with us at our respective churches. We meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. We also meet at 6 p.m. in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church, located at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville. Please come and join us if you can, or you can go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and activate the uh, notifications, and it'll let you know whenever we live stream our services, which we do at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning and 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening. Go to the website, if you will, gospel-of-grace.com, and send us an email. Let us know that you're listening. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, today, uh, we have a series of messages regarding the reproofs of the Holy Comforter. And we'll be right back with today's message.
Thank you so much, listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. And again, I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James Translation Bible to John chapter 16. I would like to speak on a series of reproofs that were given by the Lord Jesus Christ in connection with the coming on the scene of the Holy Spirit of Comfort, or the Holy Spirit of Truth, the manifestation, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon the church, which was to take place very soon after his crucifixion and resurrection. We see that recorded in Acts chapter 2. And in this context, Jesus Christ is preparing his disciples, preparing his apostles, not only for his death, his crucifixion, but also for the coming of the scene uh, on the scene of the Holy Ghost and also the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures that was to be invested in them and kept in them and their efforts and for the persecutions that would invariably uh, confront them in the future. So here in John chapter 16, we'll begin reading with verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. And when he says here, it is expedient for you, that just basically means it is for your benefit. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, that's a capital C in the King James translation, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my father and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I'd like to deal with all three of these, but today I would just like to deal with the first one found in uh, verse nine, of sin, because they believe not on me. Now, he said he would reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And we must ask ourselves, what does this reprove mean? Well, to reprove or to give a reproof is an expression of blame, disapproval, or of someone's guiltiness. All right. So here he's going to, something is going to be manifested. Something is going to be boldly declared, expressed of blame, of disapproval, and of the guilt of the world and those who reject Jesus Christ. So of sin because they believe not on me. We must ask ourselves, how did the Spirit reprove or convict the world of its great sinfulness based upon its unbelief in Jesus as the Son of God? The first thing to ask is, in whose eyes will the world be reproved? He said, the world will be reproved. We must ask ourselves, in whose eyes? It's not in the eyes of God because he has always perfectly known the corruptions that sin wrought, as well as the inability of dead souls to come to him. He didn't need the outpouring of the Spirit upon believers to see that reproof. Well, number two, will it be in the eyes of natural, unregenerated mankind, or mankind in general, void of the Spirit of God? Uh, I think not, because heartfelt conviction over sins is not experienced by the wicked. And here he said that he would reprove, convict, uh, show forth the guiltiness of the world because of their rejection of the Lord, that they believe not in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Heartfelt conviction over sins is not experienced by the wicked who have not been born again by the Spirit of God. 
We see this example of how it's spoken very plainly in Psalms chapter 10, verse 5. Speaking of the wicked, it said, His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Certainly they're not written in his heart, convicting his heart and his inner man. Not, not only, much less are they not there. He said, thy judgments are far above out of his sight. I mean, they're just completely out of the realm of his being able to experience it. Certainly it's not written in his heart. Notice the same is expressed in Romans chapter 8, verse 7 in the New Testament. He says, because the carnal mind, the carnal mind means the unregenerated, unborn again mind, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what he says, that a person who's not been born again of the spirit of God, he gives no respect to the law of God. He's not subject to the law of God. He, he, you know, he will not humble himself before it. And it's an impossibility for him to do so. So certainly for those who are in their sins, those who are unborn again, those who have absolutely no belief of the spirit in them of Jesus Christ, uh, then my friends, I certainly don't think that the world is being reproved or convicted in their eyes. They won't care. Obviously then it's in the eyes of born again people. The work of the Holy Ghost among the church will amplify the magnitude of the evil of sin in their eyes. Since the outpouring of this comforter came, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, my friends, believers have seen more clearly the power in both ends of this world's judgment spectrum. On one end, the power of assurance of salvation for those who believe. Allah John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But on the other end of that judgment spectrum of the world, we see another power, and it's the power of condemnation and evil, exemplified in a world that hates its own glorious creator. And we see that abounding around us all of the time, don't we? And mankind has always been able to see that. But again, we said it was specially magnified on the coming on the scene uh, of the church of the Holy Ghost. So it's a special magnification. Uh, whereas before uh, it was seen, now it is just glaringly seen. Well, let's consider the nature of the Holy Spirit of comfort. The Holy Spirit of comfort is a special gift to those who believe and obey. He is a special authoritative witness for New Testament believers. We go to John chapter 14. Verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Obviously, these are believers in Christ. They love him and they want to obey him. And what does he say? Verse 16, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Notice the strength of that statement, whom the world cannot receive. Not this, that it will not or uh, that it won't right now, but it will later. No, it cannot receive him. And the world under consideration here, Jesus obviously meant the fallen, wicked world of sin, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, 
for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. What a wonderful assurance for a believer is that the comforter has revealed this unto you and the comforter uh, in coordination with preached truth is affirming for you that because Jesus lives in heaven right now, you will live in him and continue to live for as long as he lives, which will be forevermore. Now notice Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 through 14. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So here is something that's imparted under the sound of the gospel and for those who believe it. So he said, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Sealed there basically means an authoritative stamp expressing authority. It's a witness. It's a manifestation, a declaration to whoever would receive this communication. Like in olden times, the king would stamp it with his seal. Okay, him stamping it with the seal did not add anything to or take anything away from the content of what was written in the communication. But it did make manifest to everyone who saw it that it was authoritative and it was approved by the king. And see, when we feel the Holy Spirit under the sound of gospel belief, my friends, it doesn't make us uh, sons of God. It doesn't include us in election at that point. No, but it manifests and declares, it witnesses to us that we have already been made approved by God through Jesus Christ. It's a witness to us. Now, let us for a little while consider the mystery and marvel of believing in Jesus Christ. We hear it all the time, especially in a evangelized nation in which we live, a nation that's been built upon uh, Judeo-Christian ethics and uh, where the gospel of Jesus Christ has abounded. And unfortunately, now in this time uh, of, of era of the history of the United States of America, we see it in decline. We are a post-Christian nation, and it's very sad to see. But it's still very commonly expressed that believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. Well, let's, a little while, let's consider this mystery and marvel of believing in Jesus Christ. It's nothing common. It is miraculous. It's marvelous. Belief in Jesus Christ. Now, in saying belief in Jesus Christ, it's not merely belief in him as a historical figure, but rather that he is truly the son of God and the only savior of sinners. That is special. It is the ultimate of signs to a poor ruined sinner that he is saved. Now, why is that? Well, let's look at some other uh a couple of examples of the most uh, commonly pointed at signs. Well, good works. Somebody may say, well, I, I know I'm born again. I know I'm a child of God because I do good works. And just basing it on good works is how special, how authoritative is that evidence that you're a child of God? You know, good works can be counterfeited pretty easily, in fact. Even the most wicked person in the world can write big fat checks for charity, testify that he loves God and can live by a moral code, can even maintain religion. Good works, my friends, are one sign to look for as evidence, but they're certainly not the best sign. Well, let's look at genuine affection, which the world claims to be, quote, true love. You know, can love be counterfeited? 
Well, by what the world considers love, uh, ubiquitously, yes, it can be counterfeit. Uh, it can be a counterfeit sign as well. You know, many, many people will show tender affection and devotion for, let's say, wild animals like sharks and tigers. They'll devote their lives to them. They will, uh, they will gush over how special and wonderful they are. But you know, those sharks and tigers, if the conditions allowed, would eat them up and pick their teeth with their bones. You know, some would call it real love, seeing these people go on about these tigers and these sharks. But, uh, brothers and sisters, it's not really meeting the standard of love, is it? Uh, in my long career in nursing, I've been a registered nurse now for about 32 years. And most of that has been spent in various emergency rooms working night shifts, day shifts, all shifts. Uh, I mean, having shifts that were so burdensome and stressful that you just want to go back into the med room and hide yourself and suck your thumb for a little while in the fetal position. And in that 32 years of nursing experience, I have witnessed the most spiteful, reprobate, murderous, and blaspheming thugs imaginable break into sobbing while hugging their mama and blubbering, I love you, mama, I love you, mama. However, closer scrutiny by biblical standards and examples, their so-called loves, obviously not the love or the charity, the agape described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the most uh, extensive and uh, specific description of true godly love. It doesn't meet that standard. That 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love can only come from the spirit working it in you. See, the affection described in our earlier examples cannot be that same love. Love is certainly a sign of salvation, but even it is not given as the ultimate sign. Listening friends today, listen to me, that place, that position of the ultimate sign that we can be seen in this world is given to belief in the truth of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the only Savior of sinners, and resurrected from death. Why is this belief such a strong evidence of eternal salvation? Well, first, belief in such is so contrary to our fallen human nature. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. As, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. This is descriptive of the fallen nature of mankind. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And then again, down in verse 18, he says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That doesn't sound very promising, does it? It just goes to show you that belief Trust in Jesus, belief in the things of the gospel is contrary to the nature of mankind. Again, this is also expressed in Psalm 10, where we alluded to earlier, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. That means any of his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Wherefore, verse 13, wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? That means hold contempt for God. He hath said in his heart, thou wilt not require it. You see, friends, it is contrary to the natural man to believe in the things of the gospel. And the second point is that the very facts to be believed are by men's standards completely unbelievable. I mean, let's look at them. 
One, God who created all this inconceivable universe loves a people who are as minuscule and disposable as we are. All right, God through thousands of years gave his word through multiple varied persons to testify the perceived poor carpenter's son to be born in Bethlehem. This gospel attests that this son, who's of the same eternal being in essence, became mankind to represent his beloved throughout history. Who would consider that as, as reasonable by men's standards? Going on with this thought, this son lived a perfect life, spoke a perfect unworldly doctrine, manipulated the laws and elements of the universe at his will, received commendation from the heavenly voice, healed multiple sick folks back to a state of physical wholeness immediately, not in the process, but immediately, and even caused three dead people to return to life immediately at just his voice command. It's amazing. Nobody uh, who's not born again would be led to believe that fact. I mean, these are just uh, they're totally ironic. They're just uh, totally backwards according to what we know about this world. Let's carry on with this. Uh, it's not hard to believe that such a one who had those abilities and possessed such power and inspired so much awe would establish a kingdom. Well, that makes sense. However, ironically, though, that kingdom would be diametrically opposed to the values of every other kingdom in history. It's truly singular. Who would have thunk it that such a one as this, Jesus Christ, would allow himself to be abused and crucified to death? all to save a people polluted by the same savagery that was exemplified by the very men who pressed the thorns into his holy head and nailed the spikes into his hands. This truly flies in the face of human logic, that this Jesus so abused, despised, and slain by the wicked then scored the ultimate victory by himself in himself being raised after three days from a borrowed tomb under heavy guard. The greatest terror to ever burdens men's minds, the great death, was despised as nothing through Jesus' resurrection. Again, who'd have thought this? All of this was done to have a family freed from the curse of sin, to live with him forevermore after earthly time is no more, where there is no despair or death ever again. And also, to conclude these thoughts that are just inconceivable, this same Jesus is now alive in glory and has called his children to obedience in the faith, to love all of mankind, including our enemies, especially our enemies, and to be willing to suffer afflictions and persecutions for his sake. You see, listening friend, none of these gospel facts seem at all credible to the natural minds of men. Taken at face value, the fallen man, man's mind will reject it every time. These are foolish and ridiculous to the natural mind. However, you little believer of these malign truths that are listening to me today, you little believer, why is it ironically natural, so natural for you to believe it? I mean, you have normal mental faculties, as do so many unbelievers in this world, yet you feel something within you that compels you to believe and find joy in these ironic, amazing gospel truths. They're being some with psychiatric illness among every sample group, that's a given. There's psychiatric illness among every sample group. Yet the typical Christian is not mentally ill. To the contrary, believers in Christ tend to be discerning minds, appreciative of truth and valuable members of society. 
To our minds, we find it a frustrating marvel that others despise the gospel and defy God. Such vitriol, such hatred toward God to us is mysterious. Why is this? Why is this? Why can't they see? Why do they not see the accuracies in the Bible like we do? Why do they not find the filth and the unrest that abounds around us as noxious and heartrending like we do? It's because the Holy Spirit in you is not in them. It's like trying to pick up an FM signal on an AM receiver. It's like trying to explain to a rock the beauties of art. It's impossible. The Spirit is what makes the difference. Romans 8, 7 through 9 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot, 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 emphasis mine, please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, the spirit being in you, coming in you, makes the difference. Now, in spite of our former deadness toward God's righteousness and kindness, born-again believers can now earnestly sing, Who can forbear to love a God so true, good, and kind? Sure, he is worthy to be loved by me and all mankind. Such a drastic change has been wrought in us by that Spirit. See, when Christ ascended and the Holy Spirit of truth inundated the church with power, inspiration, and miraculous signs, all in fulfillment of ancient prophecies, mind you, the gospel believer received a special assurance and inward moving that was not experienced commonly in any of the preceding ages of time. That power working in you today in the New Testament in connection with preached gospel truth gives the elect child of God all the answers that he needs, all the cures that she desires, and the motive to overcome this world, all in anticipation of the next world to come. See, the moving of this comforter has led this gospel being preached around the, the globe, led to this gospel being preached around the globe, converting born-again people everywhere from ignorance and truth. Everywhere it is received and believed. It overwhelms believers with joy, while at the same time, we marvel at the sin of a world that keeps dead souls from being able to see the things that have such clarification, such clarity to us. The Comforter has made glaringly obvious how wretched and sinful is this world that could hate such a precious Savior. Oh, we'll look forward to carrying on with these other two reproofs that were given by Jesus Christ regarding the coming on the scene of the Holy Spirit of comfort and further messages. And until we're able to speak with you again, pray about these things, discern these things, Search the scriptures to see that these things be true. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com 
to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist Radio Broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.